Welcome to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Now here's your Lighthouse Council host. Hello, and welcome to The Beacon Podcast. I'm Margaret Gardner, your host for today's discussion with fundraising guru and rabble rouser, Roger Craver. Roger's storied career spans six decades. He's the principal at Donor Trends and co-founder of Donor Voice. His work in fundraising has helped to establish or bolster countless organizations, including the National Organization for Women, Environmental Defense Fund, Greenpeace, the Southern Poverty Law Center, Amnesty International, the American Civil Liberties Union, the League of Women Voters, Planned Parenthood, and the Sierra Club. And there are many more. Roger's also the editor of the fundraising and communications blog, The Agitator, which has been his main space for rousing rabble for almost 15 years. Roger, welcome. Thanks so much for being here with us. Hey, Margaret. It's so good to be with you again. It's been a long time, and it's it's great to hear your uh, hear your voice. And uh, yes, there's been a lot of rabble under the bridge since uh, we last saw each other. But look forward to chatting with you. Same here. Thanks. So let's just jump into it. Roger, do you still feel that way? Oh, absolutely. The technology makes it, makes it so much better in terms of being able to affect the proper way of going about direct response. So yes, I think what lags the technology now is busting some myths that have plagued the direct response field for so long and getting people to understand how to do it. But that's you know that's always been been somewhat of a problem. There there's a there's a group of folks who are experienced and and know the ropes and there is another group that is constantly changing and and therefore doesn't have as much experience so it's a direct response fundraising is a mixed bag in in terms of experience and and of course one of the newer parts of direct response fundraising is the digital aspect that's been somewhat overdone probably to the to the point of real damage to the to the donor community and something that's been underdone because there are fewer people that understand it and understand the ins and outs is, is direct mail. But in terms of the overall field of, of direct response, yes, it's absolutely essential. And it's the, it's the workhorse of, of virtually every organization except those that rely on major gifts for their uh, for their support. So tell me, what is it that's agitating you now about fundraising these days? Well, there are a few very simple things that I, for the life of me, and Margaret, even though I've been doing this for 60 years and preaching about it for 59 of those years, I still don't understand some simple reasons why people are in this field are so intent on acquiring new donors and so so ignorant or complacent about what it takes to hold on to donors, the retaining of donors. And that is so important because it costs 10 times as much to get a new donor as it does to hold on to an existing donor. And an existing donor is so much more valuable in, in the long term. So that is a mystery to me because the loss of donors is a real problem in the direct response fundraising area. Only about 25%, a little less than that, 23% of new donors stay into the second year of their experience with an organization. And only 42% of multiple year donors stay with these organizations as a national average. So just consider for every $100 an organization spends on on acquisition or takes in on acquisition, they're going to lose 75 of that at the end of the first year. 
And for organizations that have held on to those donors a little longer, they're going to lose almost 60% of that, that money. So it's something that deserves paying attention to. And, and the, things, the things you can do to hold on to them are so simple. The, the simplest the thing of all is to say thank you. Yet 62% of the nearly two-thirds of American charities do not thank their donors for their contribution. So if you're one of the 37% who are wise enough to, to reach out and thank your donors, you're, you're way ahead. And it's not an expensive or complex process. It takes nothing more than a heartfelt and promptly sent or note after, after a gift and you're on the path to build a, a more lasting relationship. The second thing that I think organizations have never understood as well as they should is that there's this myth in the, in the business that mailing more or asking more, you, you get more. That is not the case. Often asking less can get you more. And what I mean by that is there is a certain volume-driven mentality indirect response that isn't that just isn't healthy in terms of holding on to donors you can drive donors away with too frequent communication just as you can drive them away with little or no communication so finding that finding that golden mean is really important and one of the reasons i'm so concerned about the digital proliferation these days, and particularly among the political parties and the political candidates, it's driving donors not only out of the political sphere and the advocacy sphere, but out of the charitable sphere as well, because the inboxes digitally are just bombarded with a lot of it, just sheer nonsense. And, and that bombardment is, is really taking a toll. The digital giving has the upswing. And this goes to this volume mentality that we can just bombard the hell out of a donor base or out of a prospecting list and somehow make more money. Those are my current soapbox points that I just wish folks would, would learn a little more about building relationships because that's what this business is all about. And there's some just some basic courtesy, common courtesies that can be used to, to affect a change. You don't need all the this high-tech stuff. You don't need everything glowing in the dark or having bells and whistles. Just some simple common sense will get you a great distance in this uh, in this field. But it seems like common sense is, is a little bit rare these days. Now, why do you think that nonprofit organizations are either hesitant or averse to sending thank yous? It is common sense, and either their mothers or grandmothers or fathers and grandfathers never never impress them when they get that Christmas gift or that birthday gift, they ought to sit down and write a, a thank you note so that it, it could be just a, a matter of cultural or parental training. But I, but in the case of organizations where I have pursued finding out, most the, the common belief is that this is a cost center, that we can't, someone sends us $10 or $25, we don't want to spend their money thanking them, which is just simply wrong. It, uh, it's like saying, I won't thank them, and therefore I hope they'll go away. But in the meantime, I'm going to send them 10 more appeals to make sure they really go away. I mean, it's not a cost center. Thank yous are a huge profit center because they increase the retention of donors. When, when we do surveys of why people leave organizations, usually the number three reason is that they weren't thanked 
by the organization. Not that they're concerned about the manners. They just don't know whether the organization got their gift, whether their gift did any good. And in the psychology of fundraising, there are two really simple questions that psychologically most donors ask. One, why do you need the money? And two, did the money do any good? And, and the acknowledgement is a way of saying, yes, thank you very much. We got your gift. Here's how we put it to work. And here's the difference it's making. It's not complicated and you don't need $2 million website or, or a whole bunch of special copywriters to, to write a heartfelt note. That's why it drives me nuts. Can we go back for a second to your first point, which was more enthusiasm for finding new donors than for holding on to existing donors. There are uh, people who would say, well, you can't have existing donors without first having new donors. So where's the balance there? Well, you do have to have, assuming an organization already has donors, the first, the first task is to make sure you hold on to those donors. But of course, you have to find new donors to replace even those who, who, those who leave or those who die. It's interesting because most donors are older while the commercial world loses customers at the rate of about 1% to death, the nonprofit world loses donors at the rate of 16% a year because of death. So it's quite a different market that we deal in in the nonprofit world. So you do, you do need the acquisition, but there's no sense spending, putting water in a bucket if you have holes in the bottom and it's just going to run out. It's just a, a never-ending cycle of, of folly. That's why I, I say that the organizations that, that pay too much attention to acquisition are not enough attention to, um, to retention, are probably never going to grow or certainly never going to realize the value of those donors. And on the other hand, equally, organizations that pay no attention to acquisition are doomed for the long term because donor attrition, either by death or, or simply by changing in the donor community, are going to lose are going to lose donors. My my problem goes to why why encourage donors to leave by by your inaction. I think what few folks understand is that with the exception of changes in a donor's financial circumstances and death, every decision a donor makes about giving to an organization is ultimately determined by the behavior of the organization itself. In other words, the organization's behavior, does it send out a thank you note? Does it have proper communication? Is it frequent enough? Is it too frequent? That cadence of communication is important but it forms the donor's attitude toward the organization. So if the organization is not delivering properly on its communication and its relationship building, if it's not consistent and it's not reliable, then, then you're going to lose trust and you're going to lose the donor. So the organizations have control over their retention rates. It's simply that they either don't realize it or they don't care about it, or they don't measure it. But often, often when I talk about this, Margaret, if I'm in a room of people, I'll say, how many know their retention rates? If there are 100 people in the room, maybe three or four will put up their hands and they actually know the retention rate of their, of their donors. Most people don't even experience fundraisers. And that, that to me is somewhat frightening. You can, you can bet that Starbucks knows roughly every day within 10,000 how many customers it had and how many will have the next day. And it knows the trend of whether it's, it's gaining or losing 
customers over the long haul and every every successful business and every successful nonprofit who has been around for any length of time understands that that fundamental metric because you don't grow and survive in a fast changing world without the loyalty of customers or the loyalty of your donors and loyalty is the synonym for retention. So it sounds like what you're talking about is some pretty basic common sense as the solution to, to most of the things that maybe stand in the way of fundraising success for nonprofits. No, exactly. Some common sense, common courtesy, and a basic understanding of arithmetic. It doesn't even have to be math, just arithmetic will do. The underlying foundation of re- direct response fundraising, if you can't count and if you can't communicate, probably you're not going to be a very successful direct response fundraiser. You're probably not going to be a successful fundraiser. It doesn't matter whether it's direct response or, or not. Before we close out, because we are coming to the end of our time, take a second to look ahead. What do you see happening in the future in regard to direct response fundraising? Well, I think the wise organizations, just like the wise commercial companies now, are beginning to spend nonprofit world, particularly among smaller organizations, is very underutilized. So I look for an increase in direct mail because it produces so much more money and in such a reliable way if it's properly done. The difficulty with direct mail is that there, there are fewer and fewer experienced practitioners of it. So that will have to change. I look for somewhat of a restoration of education in the direct mail part of direct response. Secondly, use of behavioral science, predictive analytics are increasingly important because the segmentation of these lists, which has historically been done on an old model of recency, frequency, monetary value, are not sufficient to deal with this fast-changing world and with the sophistication that's possible with computer systems and, and CRMs and all the other technology that's available very inexpensively to the nonprofit world. So I look for the application of some old means of direct response, which is direct mail, and enhanced by the use of both digital direct response, but also digital and direct mail enhanced by what we're learning in behavioral science about personalities, what we're learning from predictive analytics about the the, the probabilities of when and how people give based on the data we have. So that's why I think it's becoming increasingly easy and less expensive to perform all this if you understand the basics and understand the options available to you. And that will also demand that, that fundraisers be far more committed to continuing education, to curiosity, to all the things that make for, uh, for great marketing, which is curiosity, experience, and continuing education. Well, there was a time when marketing and fundraising, you couldn't say those two words in the same sentence. Clearly, that's changed. (laughs) Yeah, because those who couldn't say it in the same sense didn't really understand much about either. So, yes, it's pretty much one and the same now if you're doing it properly because the organization creates its own need, its own market through the way it communicates, and it solicits the sale through pretty proven, over 100 years worth of proven techniques and approaches and enhances all that through the new technologies, both machine learning and mathematical predictive uh, 
analytics to really make it a lot simpler and a lot more effective in terms of, of raising money. Well, Roger, thank you so much. I can't say how much I appreciate you joining us and how much I've enjoyed the conversation. And I hope that we will have you back again soon. Thank you. And listen, I, I'm so glad to catch up with you and give my best to the folks at Lighthouse. Absolutely. And to our listeners, you can connect with Roger on LinkedIn, and we absolutely recommend that you subscribe to The Agitator at agitator.thedonorvoice.com. Thanks for listening. And once again, I'm Margaret Gardner, and we hope to see you next time on The Beacon Podcast. Thanks for listening to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Tune in every week for nonprofit topics with special guest interviews. Suggest future topics and learn more about upcoming podcasts and guests at lighthousecouncil.com.